We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10 is where you can find me. Veteransminimum.com is where you can find all things VM. We got a loaded show for you today. But before we get into that, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Abel Rezin, Ben Coetzee and Christopher Velasquez, Derek Plates, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, Thomas Robinson, and a new member of the Patreon, the $40 tier, this crazy son of a bitch, Daniel Gibson. Thank you for your contributions to the Patreon. As always, you guys help create a lot of stuff for the show and make a lot of things possible. So for support for VM comes from Patreon, patreon.com slash veterans minimum. As of today, you could get next week's episode, which Alan and I did a pretty dope concept. I'm proud of this episode. It was really fun to record. We did NFL Dream Teams. We drafted NFL Dream Teams based on players on their rookie contract. So we put our thinking hats on or helmets, I should say, when it comes to football. And we drafted our squad. So that episode is up right now as you are listening to this on the Patreon. Over the next couple of weeks, every episode is going to be aired early for a lot of you guys that are members of the Patreon. So I know I've said Patreon way too much in the last couple of minutes, but that's where you could go and support the show. I got a couple of people coming on, Alan being one of them. We do a special edition of the People's Podcast where you guys send us the questions on the Discord, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, tables, ladders, and chairs, anywhere you can find us. We got your questions and we went about a half hour and then I got another guest coming on. But I do want to take this time to talk about some news that went down in the NFL over the weekend. And it was, you know what? I'm going to say my guy, Odell Beckham Jr., because I feel as if he was mine first. He was a member of the New York Giants when he came out of college from LSU. And he made the New York Giants relevant again after those down years post-Super Bowl. I know I'm being dramatic and complaining about a team that I saw win two championships 
while there are a, lo- a lot of other fan bases, especially one in New York at, with the Jets that have never seen a championship in, you know, the last 50 years. I know I'm being pretty critical of a team that helped bring the only championships in my life as a sports fan, but the Giants were in a down period. Odell comes there and he shakes up the NFL. He shakes up social media. He's the most followed NFL player on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere across the board. He is the most popular guy, I would say, in the NFL. And it's weird because he's a wide receiver. It's usually the quarterback. And he just signed with the Baltimore Ravens, a one-year projected $18 million deal, but he got $15 million guaranteed. And for a dude that hasn't had a 1,000-yard season since, I believe, 2017, that's a hell of a contract. He, I think, is still an elite wide receiver. And I know there's a conversation going around still about Odell and how this contract is crazy. Is it crazy? We'll have to wait and see. But I think for him at this point of his career, he's 30 years old. He's coming off an ACL uh, injury, his second one in four seasons. And we haven't seen him in, it'll be 18 months since we last saw Odell Beckham Jr. And he goes to the Ravens. This is probably the best wide receiver Lamar Jackson has ever had. Mark Andrews, we're excluding him because he's a tight end. But as far as being an X and Y wide receiver, a guy that lines up on the outside and commands attention, this is the best player that he's ever had out there. Rashad Bateman, I still think the jury's, it's yet to be determined, I should say, whether or not he is that guy because he's still a young buck. He's entering, I believe, the third his third season in the NFL. And this is a guy who got hurt coming out the gates too. And all the fuckery that goes down with Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, I think this is a really good deal for him. Lamar seems excited. Odell is definitely excited. They posted on their social media, one another, and the FaceTime conversation that they had. But what's interesting is this doesn't entirely lock in Lamar Jackson to coming back because him and the Ravens are still butting heads, but at least they're giving him something that he wanted. He wanted another weapon. He wanted a legit weapon, and that's what he got with Odell. And... I'm going to defend Odell Beckham Jr. because I've been doing it for many, many years now, even when he went to Cleveland and then post-Cleveland, how it ended with Baker Mayfield and the Browns, and then he goes to the Rams. This idea that he's a locker room cancer or he's someone that you can't win with, that went out the window when he won the Super Bowl with the Rams. And I know he got hurt in that Super Bowl, but it don't matter because if it wasn't for Odell Beckham Jr., the Rams don't win that Super Bowl. What he did for them in the playoffs was ridiculous. We need to remember where where the Rams were and where he was in his career. He was basically a cast off. When he signed with the Rams, that was a luxury because you looked at their roster and they had Cooper Cooper Cup was going crazy. They had Higby. They had Robert Woods. They had Van Jefferson. But then what happens? Same week Odell gets there, Robert Woods blows out his knee in practice. So now what was a luxury for you? Is now a need. It's a massive need. You needed another wide receiver. And Odell Beckham Jr., if he doesn't go to the Rams, they don't win the Super Bowl. And I know they ended up winning the Super Bowl with him getting hurt in that game, but he scored the first touchdown. And it goes back even further. What he meant for that offense was unbelievable. In the playoffs, he had 21 catches for 288 yards and two touchdowns. And that one game against the Niners, 
him and Cooper Cup were literally the entire offense. I think 84, 86% of Matthew Stafford's completions went to those two guys. What he did to elevate Cooper Cup, to open up things for Cooper Cup and the other guys on the offense, it was no longer we're going to double and triple team Cooper Cup. We couldn't because Odell came in and he was putting up some big games with the LA Rams, especially when it mattered most. And once he won that Super Bowl with the Rams, this idea that he was a bad teammate or a bad locker room guy was kicked aside. And I'm excited to see what happens with him with the Ravens. From a betting perspective, not much has changed. He's not exactly going to move the needle. They're 18 to 1 to win the AFC. They're plus 325 to win the AFC North. Their regular season win total hasn't changed. It's at eight, eight and a half wins. And for them to win the Super Bowl, they're at 30 to 1. 35 to 1, depending on where you're looking at. But consensus, I would say 30 to 1. So him going there hasn't changed anything from a win total or odd standpoint. But what I think it does is maybe it entice Lamar Jackson to be more open to coming back to Baltimore because he still hasn't committed to the Baltimore Ravens with all of the shenanigans that have been going on this offseason. So I like this move. I think it's a, it's a low risk. It's a one-year deal. If it doesn't work out, then you cut ties. But I think Odell is still going to be a premier wide receiver in this league. And now he's going to be the number one receiver. And what does that do for Mark Andrews? What does Mark Andrews do for Odell, the running game? I think it's a move that was needed for the Baltimore Ravens. And they finally got Lamar Jackson, a wide receiver that can make some noise for him. Joining me now is a friend of the podcast, a uh, friend that I've made through content creating, and truthfully, one of my favorite people that I've got to meet. Shout out to my guy, The Wrestling Classic, for finding me my best friend in content, baby. Bo Templin, what's good? Nikki D, how we doing, champ? I am uh, I'm thrilled to be here, brother. Everything you're saying towards me, I, I reciprocate right back your way. Uh, I don't we obviously you've been doing the content stuff a long time. I feel like as have I, but dude, for whatever reason, I really gravitate to the shit you do. And I just think you're just legit, man. I just think, I think what you do is absolutely legit and you do it better than so many other people. Uh, dude, I'm, I'm real stoked to be here. Anytime you shoot me that text, I'm, I'm like, all right, get the, uh, get the shoulder loose. It's time to get ready. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to say I did not pay him to say those kind words. And uh, I, I'm definitely, it, it makes me feel good to hear that, man. I appreciate you as always. Uh, anytime I do hit you up, you always deliver as I'm sure you're going to deliver now on this one. Bo, you and I connected, like I mentioned before, with our guy Justin, the wrestling classic. Always like to show him some love on here. And we kind of bonded over our love for combat sports. And over the weekend, we had UFC 287 in Miami, which, dude, I would have went if I wasn't leaving for New York on Wednesday. Because outside <laughs> of Vegas, the 305 is a place that I've had a lot of fun down there. And it, uh, they always treat Lamb very nicely down there in the 305. But I couldn't, I couldn't do Miami and then come back, then go to New York. You know, my dad would probably beat the shit out of me, be like, dude, what are we doing? How are we just blowing this money left and right? I'm sure uh, work wouldn't have been that thrilled to just, you know, taking these vacations left and right. But my guy got his belt back. Adesanya is my favorite fighter in the UFC. I want you to start us off, dude. How did you feel about that main event 
Izzy and Pereira? It was a unique story that we don't really get all that often in the UFC. It feels like, I mean, once you've watched the UFC or, or the fight game for a really, really long time, the storylines become a little repetitive. It's like, oh, we've seen this before. Okay, this rivalry reminds us of this. But man, in the lead up to this rematch in the UFC, but really, you know, their their fourth fight overall, it was like, we don't get this all that often. And then with the result that we got, the only thing you could really compare it to was uh, Juan Manuel Marquez versus Manny Pacquiao. That's the only really other comparison that, that we have to a main event like we saw at 287. I guess if I was to talk about one takeaway from this thing is the cemented legacy that Adesanya now will hold in this 185 division, right? I mean, I think a lot of times in the fight game, there's always going to be a boogeyman or, or a kryptonite to your legacy, to your career. but. For Adesanya to turn around that quickly, say, I don't need the time off. I can get this guy. Like, I know I can get this guy. And then to do it, it was like, wow. You know, for as corny as sometimes he is, like, I, and again, I'm a fan. So, but I'm talking about the, some of the criticism, criticisms against him. The people that will say he's corny. Is it corny if you back it up? Like at some point, you're going to have to just, you know, tip of the cap and say, my God, the guy does what he says he's going to do. Dude, I want to push back a little bit, man. I, I coming into this event, I didn't understand the legacy talk. I feel as if already he's in that conversation of being the best 185er. He defended his belt so many times. He did the ruby. Like, he, f he fulfilled that one side of the belt already. He's fought 10 times in four years. This made it 11. This guy's active, too, bro. Like, this guy is fighting every three, four months. His aura has always been way cooler than the kind of fighter he is. But also, styles make fights is something we always hear in combat sports. He needs guys that are going to engage with him for him to have fun fights. When he fights a cannoneer, who has massive knockout power, he is looking to just counter off that. He's not going to engage with Izzy. Izzy's going to point fight him, and that's what you saw. When he had those battles with Whitaker, some of my favorite battles there, that, that two-fight uh, matchup that them two had. When he fought Romero, what did Romero do? Same thing. He wasn't engaging. So Izzy's not going to put himself in the fight. When he has a guy that's going to press him and walk him down like that, that's why you see those banger of fights. The last two fights that he's had with Pereira, man, have been spectacular. The one in MSG where he lost his belt, he was cruising, and then he gets caught. And then in this one, too, it was very similar to how he almost got finished this fight to how he got finished, bro. Because, bro, he had him up on the cage, and it was the same kind of exchanges. And Izzy this time just played possum, just covered up, and then, bam, catches him. And, dude, that hammer fist that he threw... The way there's a slight hesitation if you watch, and I was telling my buddies, I was watching the fights with some of the guys that I do jujitsu with over at Syndicate Bow, and when they showed the replay, he does like a, like a, like he clutches his hammer fist, yeah. and I'm like, bro, that is six years 
That is six years of buildup. Him coming down just bam on Pereira's face. It was like, bro, this guy has not beaten this dude in so long. And he's had to hear the trolling. And this is his kryptonite. And this is the boogeyman. And how he got into MMA because Izzy put up that video in an interview saying that, ah, this guy's going to be an alcoholic in 20 years saying, ah, I beat that guy once. And then he transitions into MMA. But dude, that, that hammer fist belt, oh, I felt it in my soul, dude. So I should clarify on the legacy comment because I'll, I'll, I'll respect your pushback on what I was saying. The way I said it maybe didn't make it seem as if I was respecting his legacy enough. I'm going to say relatively cements his legacy, right? For other fighters, of, of course, what Adesanya has done is first ballot, Hall of Fame, maybe the best 185er of all time, maybe the best striker of all time. What I'm talking about, though, is even a step more than that, right? Like, like Leonardo DiCaprio having a first ballot Hall of Fame career up until 2015, but for some reason could not get the Oscar, right? And, I, and don't, don't get me going on the whole Leo Oscar conversation, but it did, there was still something looming over him in his career that like, of course, Leo's a goat. Of course, Adesanya's a fucking legend in this game. But there was like still, there was still, still story to be told. And for him to complete that elevates it in a completely different way. So I, I just wanted to clarify that real quick. And then uh, in, in regards to him playing possum or it being the same position that he got finished in during the first fight in the UFC, Adesanya, about two minutes before the knockout happens, Joe makes a comment in the fight and he goes, you see Adesanya there choose to plant and stay in the pocket. So it was about two minutes before the knockout actually happened where Adesanya said, all right, it's starting to happen. Uh, Harris, he's getting a little tranced. Like he was kind of getting a little sucked in. There was like, there was a rip current being pulled by the Adesanya ocean and Behera started to feel it. And he started to get feel bigger. He starts to walk taller and his arms start to get up higher and higher. And by the time that the knockout happens, Adesanya had already unleashed like two or three right hands in the minute leading up to the knockout. So for the people saying that it was a fluke or, or that he wasn't really planning that, I, I, I have a hard disagree with that take. I think the two minutes leading up to it is very, very clear evidence that Adesanya was, in fact, trying to lure him in and was willing to sit in the pocket. So let alone playing possum, it's he was willing to sit there and go, yo, let's go shot for shot and see what happens. And uh, it ended up working out pretty damn well. If you watch some of these pictures that I've surfaced of the uh, still by still from how round one of the first MMA fight ended, Bo, to then how it ended in the second round of this second fight, dude, the parallels are incredible. Like the same setups, he knew he could get them. And that's what just makes uh, the aura of Izzy 10x because. He kept saying, yo, I know I could beat this guy. And sometimes you hear, you'll hear fighters say that on rematches or when, you know, it's very rarely, dude, your boy Sanhagen, 
One of my favorite post-fight interviews ever was when he fought Jan and whoever the announcer was, maybe it was Felder or Bisping, whoever, DC, they asked him, hey man, did you feel like you did enough to win? And he was like, nah, not really, dude. I think he beat me. I, I was already a Corey Sanhagen fan. I became even more of a Corey fan because how many times Bo, do you see a fight end? It's like, oh, you know, I got robbed of the decision. You're like, I don't know, man. I don't know if you won, if you won that fight. And also like O'Malley, right? The way O'Malley handled Jan, he said, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, man. I, I want to say yes, but I don't know. That is more respectful. And I admire that more from fighters. And then with Izzy, going back to that, there's nothing we like more, bro, as I'd say Americans and just like the American sports fan or across the board than the climb up, then the demise, and then to see if they could get it back. And you saw Izzy get it back. And that just makes it like his aura. I keep, I keep using that word because I feel like he's a way cooler like, he's a cooler character, though it's not a character for him. It's not a gimmick, to use the wrestling term. Like, that's who he really is. His aura is way cooler than the fighter that he is. And what's... So, I guess, in my opinion, I'm trying to... Before I make this statement, I'm trying to run through the other sports in my head. And there aren't that many examples. But in the fight game, that level of self-awareness where you can say, eh, I'm not sure I was good enough, or wow, do I need to really improve this part of my game, which we've heard a lot from, from Adesanya and Sanhagen. I got a Sanhagen story for you uh, immediately after this. But uh, for Adesanya or a Sanhagen guy to go, man, I, there's work to be done. You don't hear it that much in the fight game because of the, the supreme level of confidence that is required to be a top-level fighter. Like If you go into a fight doubting parts of yourself, you're not winning. It's just not going to happen. So in fighting, it's even uh, less frequent where you're going to hear a guy go, and I need to go back and do this, and then I'll be better and I'll be ready to go. You, don't, you just don't hear it that often because in fighting, it does require that, like, I'm the king, I am, uh, I'm uh, the conqueror, I'm Alexander the Great. Like, you have to have that level of confidence to be really, really good for those guys to balance I'm this bad motherfucker and I'm going to get better, right? Oh, I want to watch a tape. I wasn't good enough in those five minutes, whatever it might be, however they want to bring down their ego. That is the coolest part to me. I, I guess Giannis, and you know I'm a Giannis stan for the Bucks. Like He does a pretty good job of that, I think, where he holds that like king mentality that I'm the hardest working dude in the game. But also, if I don't get these shots up in the gym, I'm not going to be the best in the game. So I, I was trying to think of like other players who do that really, really well. Um, back to Corey Sanhagen. I want to say this. Uh, did you listen to him on Joe Rogan last week? I saw some clips. I haven't gone to that yet. Okay. Uh, so I'm now working at Vayner Sports. Let's go. Corey, My guy. Yeah, Corey Sanhagen is one of the clients, one of the fighters that we represent. So, uh, after Corey's win, we're having our, our team meeting, right? And they go, oh, Corey's going to be appearing on Joe Rogan next Thursday. Man, would it be great if we could send someone out there with him? Uh, and then they said, Bo, do you know Corey? So, uh, so one thing turned into another. And I actually went with Corey to Rogan's studio last week. 
wow. uh, when he was recording the podcast. Uh, so I wanted to share that. So got to spend a little time with Corey, the coolest, chillest dude of all time. And, and obviously, I mean, we're fight fans. We're podcasters. Getting to shake you know, Joe's hand is, is uh, an incredible feeling to have recorded my first podcast in 2014 and then be in his studio was just like, holy shit, man, this is bananas. <laughs> so yeah, a lot to tell there, but um, yeah, definitely a story I wanted to share with you, but man, that, that's, that supreme confidence with that level of self-awareness is, is perhaps the most remarkable thing about those elite level fighters. Dude, what a, that's, that's breaking news. Cause you, you didn't, you didn't text me that, which I'm a little offended, but I, I do like that you mentioned it on the show and to get my natural reaction. That's, that's dope, bro. I was really close to telling you before we started recording, but uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, well, let's see if it comes up in combo. Yeah. Let's, oh man, that's awesome, bro. I'm so happy for you. I'm, I'm glad that you got that gig and, and, um, you know, you know how the game goes, bro. It's, uh, it's a roller coaster. It's a marathon as Nipsey Hussle would say. So I'm glad that you're, you're back over there and you're doing some dope shit. I do want to pivot away from the UFC to talk a little bit about what happened over the weekend also with the Dallas Mavericks. And for those of you that are not familiar with what happened with the Mavericks, they just decided to tank on the last day of the regular season. They had a chance to get into the play-in game. They elected to not make the play-in game because then Bo, I was monitoring what was going to happen with the Mavericks as they were starting to tailspin because the Knicks have their draft pick and it's top 10 protected. So what the Mavericks did, Bo, was they decided to not play that game, sat a lot of their guys, and then they end up not making the playing game at all. So now they currently have the 10th pick in the draft or the 11th. They're around there. But I just, I don't know what to make of this entire scenario that went down with the Mavericks, dude. Uh, as a basketball fan, I think it's one of the biggest issues that the NBA has that they really don't care about the regular season. We've known that for many years now. But to do that with a chance to make the playing game. And, dude, I know anything could happen in a playing game. But if you give me Luka with the guys that he has and Kyrie being there, Luka could drop a 40-burger on anyone, bro. And he could carry you to winning a playing game and then actually making the playoffs. And, you know, there's... Some questions on the Nuggets and the Grizzlies this year. I was not too happy with what went down with Dallas. How about you? I've been battling with it a little bit in my head over the last few days. I don't know if I'm as clear-cut upset in the way that you are. Um, at the end of the day, the thing that keeps pulling me back and saying, listen, it's just it's basketball, right? Like I know there's wear and tear on your body right with basketball but still it's like you just go and you try and win the basketball game i'm not saying you send out your fighter when he's down six rounds to zero and send him back out there when you know he's about to get pummeled like or when you're down 14-1 in baseball and you put out your third baseman to go pitch on the mound like i understand the difference in what we're talking about here it's still just basketball man and you just, you send the guys out there and you, you try and get the W. And I do feel that Luca is more of a playoff basketball player than a regular season guy as it is. Now, um, do you circle back to when 
the Mavericks made some changes over the last 365 days. And a lot of people are just going to go straight back to the deadline when they grabbed Kyrie. But I think you go further than that. I, I don't think, like, I think the Hail Mary play to get Kyrie at the trade deadline, like, it's a Hail Mary play. I think the bigger issue is like, man, why did Brunson want to leave? Or why was he not brought back? Or why was the invite not there? Why was there tension with Porzingis during his time in Dallas? Like, I don't know. I I don't view this Dallas situation as much of a one-year problem or a half-season problem as much as eh, there might have been some signs looking back to the last few years where... Eh, things aren't running as smoothly as they might be. And yet, while we have this conversation, Bill Simmons goes last week that there's a chance, you know, or he's just talking for fun, but that they get Draymond and, and LeBron, and then you've got Luca, Draymond, LeBron playing together. So all that being said, Dallas could be back in great contention next year. But man, the last 18 months, not a great look. It's not just the last three months. It's wild that you mentioned that. And I agree to a certain extent. Because they were just in the Western Conference Finals. And it's yep. from there, it's just been a nightmare. Because losing Brunson, yep. I mean, bro, New York City right now, oh. <laughs> it's, it's him and Judge neck and neck. And I would say that he's probably surpassed Judge because Knicks is, the Knicks are, that's New York's team, bro. Like you got Met fans, you got Yankee fans. And like a lot of Met fans, they kind of bang with Judge. Like they, they enjoy Judge. But, bro, Brunson is like, dude, you, you wouldn't be able to. You need to give us, like, Giannis and a first for Brunson right now for Knicks fans. It's like that. Y'all are, y'all are simultaneously the best and worst sports fans to possibly endure. But the love that he gets from New Yorkers on my Twitter timeline is incredible. I've never seen such loyalty and love for a guy who joined your team less than a year ago. It's, it's remarkable how much y'all love him. Dude, when you've had trash at that position for three decades, <laughs> that's what happens when you get a guy and you're like, holy shit, he's an all-star. And he's not, he's not a psychopath out off the court too. Like it's been, it's been a great love affair. But to, to circle back to what you said, man, I was kind of conflicted too, dude, because I've been, I've been on Kyrie Irving being the, the worst kind of teammate that you could have. I've shot all these videos, the divorce analogy. I've gone on and on divorce. about it. I feel like I record it every time because it just validates it more and more. And when they first got him, Bo, I was saying to myself, you know what? I kind of like it because they're, they're making the attempt to build around Luka. But then when you look at it, it's, it's like, yo, you did the same thing with Porzingis. That didn't work out. You did the same thing with Kyrie. And when you get these big pieces, these big names, remember, we're talking about Porzingis when they first got him. It was, it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. He only left New York because he told New York he wasn't re-signing with them. So the Knicks finally made a good decision. And they said to themselves, yo, we're not going to just let this guy walk when we could get some assets for him. But then some reports coming out now that... Luca after 2024 might be entertaining the the, the markets. That's yeah, you're souring. I, I, if you're if you're the Mavericks, you're making all these attempts, but you're also souring the one piece that you might want to give like ownership of the team to. Right? Like this is a guy where he's a top five player in the league. He's still super young. He doesn't have a track record of missing time because of injury. 
all these decisions, yeah, you're, tr you're, you're, you're making the attempt to bring these guys in, but it's not working, bro. And you're kind of souring the one guy that you should be catering to. That's how I feel. About it. Yeah. I mean, the truth of the matter is though, is that we don't know what Luca is saying behind closed doors. Like if at the trade deadline, Luca was saying, guys, we have to do something. I don't care what it is, but if there's not effort shown, I'm going to be like really upset. Then you go, all right, the, the Kyrie stuff makes sense. Like, I'll, I'll say when the, when the San Diego Padres a few years back, like, you know, 2015, they started to turn things around with new ownership. They started to spend money. People were still upset because the Padres weren't performing up to that level. But I was kind of sitting back and saying, this is way better than anything I've dealt with in my lifetime as a Padres fan because they're trying. Like, at least with this Dallas team, like, they're making moves. They're making an effort to be better or at least try different things with Luka. Yeah, like, th this hasn't worked out tremendously well or, you know, you would say the opposite, actually. But uh, I, I I would commend at least Dallas for doing that. And what is is it better what Portland has done and not done anything with their one superstar that you would say, like, maybe you give ownership to? Like, I don't I don't know who's done it better, Dallas or portland yo that's a good ass take about portland because you have two you have two organizations you can look at that one has done nothing for their star they've actually made it worse for him when they got rid of mccullum a guy that he had good chemistry with they were buddies they they played really well together and then on the flip side you got what the mavericks have done which they're trying to but they're not working in these deals and dude i'm telling you Kyrie, i i don't think Kyrie resigns with the mavericks I really don't. No. And it's going to be even yeah. worse. And I don't know if I would want Kyrie Irving on my team, but you just know how sports are. You know how the world is, bro. If you're talented, you're going to get opportunities. It's a sad reality. Someone's going to talk themselves into three for 120 for Kyrie Irving. He's going to go there. And then at the trade deadline, he's going to say he's not happy. He doesn't feel fulfilled. And then he's going to get traded again. That's just, that's just the MO of Kyrie. Four teams in seven years. So... You're right. That's a that's a good and, take, man. I never thought about that with the Mavericks and the Blazers. And then you have teams like Minnesota who try things and they don't work out well either. So it's very well, easy hold, hold to on, like though, to to push back. I don't think I've ever seen a trade that the consensus was a nightmare the moment it went down. Like no oh, one needed yeah. time. Okay. Yeah, like when when Minnesota got Rudy Gobert who just decided to throw a right cross. Maybe he was watching the UFC bowl the night before and he was hyped. He was feeling himself and he throws a punch at Kyle Anderson and now they suspend them for the playing game, which I was talking to one of my buddies and I said, yo, is it crazy to think that they might be better off not having them out there for that kind of game? So Rudy not playing on Tuesday night helps them, I think, against... Every team in the NBA, except, except maybe, maybe the Los Angeles Lakers. That's fair. It's the game where they might have actually needed him. So just like, it's just funny. Like the Lakers now are just going to have this insane road to the playoffs. And like, it's just shaping up wonderfully for them. Uh, Rudy Gobert's right cross to the, the sternum of Kyle Anderson, um, just to get analytical on it. There's a stereotype that, at least in fighting, that... Uh, France does not produce the best fighters. And unfortunately, Rudy Gobert is just putting uh, testosterone or steroids into that theory or stereotype because 
man, was, was that a really, really tough look from, I don't know if you remember this, Nick, there was a fighter who tried out for the ultimate fighter. And this is like early, early days. Like I'm talking real, real early, this French fighter. And he's going, I'm here to prove all y'all wrong that France produces tough dudes. And then from what I remember, like he gets like TKO in the TKO'd in the first round and like taps to strikes. And then Dana afterwards makes a comment like, well, there goes that stereotype, you know, that stereotype. So just a unbelievable day and a half for the Minnesota Timberwolves, man. Really, really hard to script. Dude, I remember GSP was coaching uh, coaching the Ultimate Fighter, and I think he brought in this Muay Thai guy from France. That guy's hilarious. Yeah, who, who showed up. If you guys have never seen this clip, it's hysterical. This guy shows up, no T-shirt, the hairiest chest of all time. He's hammered, smoking cigarettes, and just calls out all the fighters and is beating the piss out of all of them. And it's like, yo, talk about not judging a book by its cover. This guy was just, and I'm pretty sure he was French. Maybe French-Canadian, yeah, but yeah. whatever, close enough. <laughs> no, 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 that's an all-time clip. That's an all-time clip. And it's like everything you want in mythology. And it's also perfect for GSP. It's like, I love mythology. And for a guy to come in and GSP to like rave about him and say, guys, this is one of the best strikers I've ever worked with. And the guy comes in smelling like alcohol and cigarettes and then beats everyone's ass. Like, bro, that, I mean, that is straight out of John Wick. Is it not? Like, <laughs> that is incredible. Man, it's going to be fun to see how this turns out. I'm excited for these playing games, some compelling matchups. We'll be doing an NBA preview show later this week for all of you listening. I do have a second segment coming up with my buddy, Alan, the people's pod. You guys ask the questions, we answer them. And I do got to give my proper showing of love to my guy, Bo. Bo, as always, I need you to come into studio. We'll work some magic. We'll create some dope shit. Tell the people where they can find you and all the stuff that you're working on. I'm over at Vayner Sports right now. We've got like 100 athletes on our roster. Um, I'm helping essentially build like so the social media strategy for those clients. It's been a lot of fun. We've got like, look up the roster. We've got some awesome names on that list. And it's been really, really a fun start. Uh, you can follow me at Bo Templin, uh, B-O-T-E-M-P-L-I-N. Uh, and that's everywhere. But Nikki D, I promise you, bro, I am coming out there. The, when I got to text you earlier and I said four Pacific Standard Time and you go, hey, no need for the Pacific Standard Time, Poppy. I was dying. That made me real, real happy, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a West Coast gangster now, bro. Just like Cousin Nate. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's awesome, bro. That's awesome. Nice work on the pod, dude. You just keep killing. I'll see you at the top. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another installment of the People's Podcast. And I'm joined by my guy, A-Double, we're in here. the building. We're here. Yo, this is the first of the many episodes we're going to do together, even though it's going to be one of the later ones that people are going to listen to. It's the People's Podcast. Uh, the last time I did one of these was with Boss when he was in town about a month ago. So if you guys are new to the program, People's Podcast is basically your show. You send us your questions, your comments, your thoughts, and we kind of answer them. And give our opinions and our takes. So it's cool. It gives us a chance to create some evergreen content that's not really rushed. And also it allows you guys to be the producers. So Alan doesn't know these questions. I'm going to surprise them. Some of them I'm going to skip over with all due respect. Because it's been things like, you know, how bad have the Ravens fumbled the bag with Lamar? I've been talking about this for months now. And uh, I know you've had your share fair of comments as well. But... These are some of my favorite shows to do because it gets the audience involved. So with that being said, this one comes from Jordan. It says, have you been following what's been happening with Barcelona paying off referees for the last 20 years with Lionel Messi? I wish I did. Uh, I've seen headlines. I've listened to a few podcasts, but I don't necessarily have a strong take on it. But it just seems like Barcelona the last three years have been embroiled with controversy. So here's, whether you heard about this or not, to me the wildest thing ever is when teams of this magnitude have to do some corrupt shit in order to win. Have you ever watched on Netflix, um, I think it's called Bad Sport or Untold. It's one of those sports betting, sports controversies with Juventus. Remember Juventus in like the early 2000s, bro? I mean, Juventus this year, 15-point deduction. Right. That's right. It was yeah. this year. Yeah. So oh. they, they've had multiple incidents. But Juventus was more, this wasn't with referees. This is more of uh, dodging the books during the pandemic yeah. with, with player wages. So this so, is a little different. This one is different. But the one that happened in the early 2000s, for those of you that don't know, they were... They, clarify, before the 06 World Cup, which ironically Italy won. So this yeah. was 2006. Yeah, that's right, because Buffon was the goalie for both, and he was like a Juventus lifer. So what happened in the early 2000s, Juventus is one of the top teams in Europe, one of the best teams in Italy, and what they were doing was they were paying off referees, but they did it in the most sly devil dog way ever because they weren't rigging the games they were playing. What they would do is when AC Milan was going to play them in two weeks, they would pay the referee that was refing the AC Milan game before they played Juventus. So what they would do is they would give a red card to like Gattuso or like Andrea Pirlo or maybe Aka. not a, yeah, maybe not a red card, yeah. but you accumulate a lot of yellows, you end up missing games. So what Juventus was doing, they'd go and they'd, it's Sampdoria against AC Milan. They'd go and they pay the referee you know, 50,000 euros or whatever it was then. I think it was a euro then, but whatever. They would pay them 
And they'd say, hey, man, make sure Kaka and, and you know, Gattuso, Pirlo, Shevchenko, if they're Nesta. on yellow, Nesta, yeah. have them miss that game because it gives us a better chance to win when we play them. And they end up steamrolling and they end up winning the league and then the controversy and the corruption comes out. And my question to you, bro, and it has to kind of tie into this with like Barcelona. Isn't it wild that these teams are doing it when they don't need to do it? Like if, if Sampdoria was doing it or Getafe in La Liga, right? Think about it in... in Digging deep into those mid-table teams. Yeah, like <laughs> if it was like if, Le if it comes Leche, out 20 yeah. years from now that Leicester City paid off referees, oh, you'd be like... You know, I'd be heartbroken, stop. I'd be heartbroken oh. too. Greatest upset in, in sports history, 5,000 to one to win the Premier League at the beginning of the year. They were the favorite to be relegated like more than any other team. Like they were more favored to be relegated than any team was to actually win the tournament. Yeah. And since we always try to get a Greece angle and Claudio Avnetti got sacked by Greece after the, I think it was the 2014, after World Cup, they're going to qualifiers in 2016 Euros. The three games, they're like, all right, you're not it. So Claudio Avnetti, legendary Italian manager, gets sacked by the Greece national team. Go baby. Goes to Leicester. We turn careers around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hilarious. The legendary Gary Lineker. Never forget the first day that Claudio Neri gets hired. He goes, Claudio Neri, really? Yeah. And then he becomes a cult hero. But to my point, though, it would suck, right? But it would make sense if it came out that, like, yo, Lester was corrupt. Oh, it would be one of the saddest things. Right. But, but it would make sense, though, that, like, a, a, a borderline yeah. relegation team. But when it's a powerhouse like that, it's like, bro, you have, like, they had Nedved. They had all these like dominant world-class players on Juventus and the same thing with Barcelona. It's like, bro, did you really need to have referees paid off? You had Messi, you have, you had Neymar, you had all these stacked teams and Xavi and Inesta. Like oh. it, that's what blows my mind with these. And it's really sad because like the late 2000s, early 2010s, Barcelona was the gold standard. Yeah. Everyone wanted to watch Barcelona. They were the must team to watch. They, you know, the one twos, the tiki taka, like they, cultivated a, a whole style so does that get diminished now with these allegations like, like i've heard people can do serious prison time oh yeah yeah especially I, when you have the sports books that get into it too that i've lost money because of these things and just people losing money betting on things that were being corrupted right i know pk's probably gonna have to go to trial because he was there probably the longest he's got Multitude of issues. PK is going. He, he's on a run that he shouldn't really be proud of. He's. Yeah. Uh, it's been. It's. It's been a rough. For Usually retirement, PK. you're supposed to go swimmingly to retirement. You're not supposed to be making more headlines. He somehow made more headlines. Yeah, and he got a distract after him from Shakira. Great girl, by the way. Right. Yeah. Without like question. Uh, all right. This one comes from Bernsey. If you were in charge of renaming the Washington Football Team when they were figuring it all out. Before they became the Commanders, what team name would you have come up with? And part two, is there any team name in other sports you think could be changed, should be changed, and what would you change them to? You got to come up with an upgrade on the spot. The Washington, then I feel like there's always a patriotic theme to it. Look at Nationals. Dude, I thought the best name for them and you'd be able to keep the skins sort of tagline to it. Would have been the pigskins. Really? The Washington pigskins. It's football. Yeah. And the they hogs. got the mask. Yeah. They got. I a, just never liked the style, but it does fit their. 
brand. Yeah, because uh, our buddy Josh is a huge Washington fan, and he still calls them the Skins. A lot of people still call them the Skins, and you'd be able to still like. Obviously, Redskins is a no-no, but Pigskins it would fit, and then you would still have Skins. Commanders is cool. Commanders just sounds like a XFL football team. Like you're going like Madden 2004 created team name. Yeah, yeah. That so I don't know. That one is. That's what I would have went with. But is there a team you, you think that uh, would be nice to have a name change? I can't stand the Pelicans. I find it goofy. Pelicans. Okay, that's a good one. Like, who, who gets excited saying that? It's also not intimidating. Like, yo, we're playing oh, the Pelicans. Yeah, it's just like, if the Hornets was, wasn't great, but it sounded a little intimidating. But Pelicans. But also, do you think it's because we were kind of birthed into them being the Hornets? Like, oh. the Hornets were a team that was... <laughs> Like the Hornets were, was an original franchise, right? Uh -huh. Like I think that that has something to do with it too, as opposed to us having a brand new team name that people do. People still call them the San Diego Chargers. Oh yeah, you listen to National Football Podcast and they still do. It just comes off natural. By the way, do you want to mention the Jazz? Another goofy name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Jazz again, they've maybe because we were birthed into it and they were already the Jazz. It doesn't seem as goofy, but I, I get what you're saying. Those jerseys, oh my god, iconic. Yeah, the the orange ones. Oh no, I was talking about like the purple blue, the oh, frostbite with, 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 with like the like the late nineties. Yeah, yeah. those yeah, are classic. Dude. I recently watched the Last Dance again. I watched that randomly, uh -huh. like every like six seven months. I kind of watch that, and then I get like so amped. You do it for like and, motivational purposes. Yeah, that get into get re inspired a little bit, and just like MJ's whole like motto and the, what he stood for, and obviously they had those bloodbaths with the Jazz all those years. I was like their arch rival out west, so it was uh, it was cool because I saw those jerseys again. Yeah. How, how about you? Hmm, I think for me. Well, changing the commanders, I would have put it to the pigskins. And then I want a team name to be the Legends. I'd get behind that for so many reasons. What what team could use that? Dude, the New York Legends would be hilarious. <laughs> just, the Las Vegas Legends. That, okay, that yeah, flows, bro. But Raiders is cool, though. Like, you can't get Yeah, Raiders. Well, Raiders is an iconic franchise. Yeah. So that one is... Is it's similar to like what you said about the jazz. Like they're not as iconic, but what I mean is they've been around for 40, 50 years. Right. I don't know. I find the Chargers not to be that great. Chargers. Mm. Lightning bolt. What about 49ers? Nah, they're cool. Come on. Niner gang. Yeah. E gotta, E40. You got to have like a cool <laughs> nickname to your franchise, yeah. right? Just so that it flows. I mean, Seahawks are kind of meh. Seattle legends. Ooh. Seattle Legends. Ooh. Now we're talking. We need a team named Legends. <laughs> the logo bro. is just someone jerking an IPA. Yo, you remember the New York Hitmen? Yeah. In the XFL, the OG team? I mean, Metro Stars was cool too. Metro Stars was dope. I just think of Brian McBride with a Yo. bloody nose. <laughs> yeah. Damn, bro. That's Metro a great Stars. question, man. You got us thinking. Yeah, I'm this put my a, marketing hat on. This was a good one. This was a good one. Um, all right. This next one comes from Trilla. If aliens came down to Earth, what sport would you show them that represents the world? That'd be soccer. Yeah, right? I mean, you're talking about the world. Yeah. All right. So the world, it would be soccer. And yeah. then for America, it would be football. Yeah. I did, we're, this is obviously going to be biased because we're, we're speaking from the heart. Like, it's hard to be objective with this question. 
But if I want to show them the best athletes, I mean, we could put combat sports up there too. Like MMA. You can make a strong case for that. But does everyone want to see violence? Do aliens want to see violence? Ooh, all right, how about this? Let's throw a wrinkle. If aliens came down and you had to send one person to hold it down for us, who are you sending? And they have to, they, all right, so aliens come down and they're like, yo, we're going to take over this planet unless you throw one guy at us to. I mean, it's Francis Ngannou by default. Oh. But Aaron, Aaron Don's up there. It's one of those. <laughs> I was going to say John Jones, bro. Yeah, he's got the cardio. But he's also just way more of a complete fighter, and he's, he's dope. I just don't know if I could trust him. Is he going to be there on time? Oh, he, yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean, I hate to go down that route, but, like, come on. Like, it's it's been a tough decade at this point. That'd be the worst, like, uh, being pulled out of a fight because then humanity goes down the drain. It's like, yo, our, the world depends on you. Yo, that's a good-ass take because you're going to have to factor that in. Like, yo, but but Aaron, Aaron Don would be great. Mm. Aaron Don's. You know, I wish this question was about maybe we could switch up movie. Like, what movie would you want to put an alien onto? Sports uh, movie. Sports movie. Yeah, I mean, my favorite sports movie of all time is Any Given Sunday. It's a strong choice. That's that's my go-to. I have a Willie Beeman jersey. I uh, shared, I should say, my nickname when the casino leagues was Beeman because I would only wear that when I was playing with GMS with Ferg's brothers team because I didn't have a jersey. So they would all have so the a jersey first. on, and I would have my Willie Beeman Miami Miami Sharks. Miami Sharks is a good name. That's a cool name, for, yeah. For a I forgot the Marlins. Yeah. Well, it, but that kind of fits, though, to circle back all to that. Miami because Marlins. It's, yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't know. That one, that one flows a little bit better. But going back to that, I, I would say any given Sunday football movie. Easy for me. Hardball. Got to be hardball. Just showing the South Side of Chicago, the struggle of it. Keanu Reeves being a D-Gen, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about D-Jets, the movie, for gamblers out there. Just a guy freaking out over, uh, I think it was Bulls Heat, minus five. Keanu Reeves outside the bar, just banging on the... Oh, my God. And Dude, then just have, the, the G-Baby scene. Oh, yeah, that's an iconic one. Yeah. And then when they're playing Big Papa, yeah. that's oh. like the way to get the picture going. Uh-huh. That's a good one, too. Our ball is a classic. I also want to give a shout out to Coach Carter. Daniel Coach Jackson. Carter is good. Coach Legend. Carter is very good. Um, there's a dope D-Gen movie with Matthew McConaughey. I think it's Two for the Money. Mm-hmm. Al Pacino's in it, too. He plays like he plays the role of a professional handicapper. So people call him for his picks and whatnot. And, you know, it always starts off. He got discovered because he was, he was so hot on making all these picks. He'd go like 12 and 4 every NFL weekend. And then... Of course, because of the movie and also how realistic it is, too. He hits that dry spell where he's going like you know, 7 and 16 over two weeks and he's losing all this money. And it's a good movie. It's a, it's a shady movie. That's, what, that's the movie that got me hooked on Matthew McConaughey. I think he's my favorite actor. Yeah, he's one of the true greats. He plays this, just that. Dude, sin- he, was also that in a great, he was also in a great sports movie. We are Marshall. Ooh. The Veer. <laughs> Don't run the Veer. That acts. That was his go-to. Um, okay, next up. You get knocked on the head and fall into a coma for the last 10 years. What the? F- What's the first thing you want to eat? What's the first sport you want to watch? And who's the first person you want to contact that isn't your parents, partner, or friend? 
All right, so let's go. Let's break this down in order. What's the first thing you want to eat? Steak. Steak? I need meat. Damn. Nice prime rib. Okay. Filet? Yeah, sure. I'm going to go with pizza, bro. I'm a pizza stand. <laughs> Yesterday, I was telling you. No one's going to say no. Dude, I ate two, two buckets of fries at In-N-Out, and which, by the way, sucks. In and out sucks. If you guys think otherwise, shame on you. That place is horrible. Strongly lackluster to keep it professional. Bro, <laughs> listen, everyone that was in my DMs and on Twitter telling me about In and Out, every single one of those people are from the West Coast. So you're all biased as hell. Because In and Out was very basic. I did not like In and Out whatsoever. But I did have two of their fries. And I turned to Alan. I'm like, yo, fries, pizza, and beer are the three reasons why I'm not like 25 pounds lighter. Because I, I consume those way too much throughout a week. Just an American. The best. The best. So yours is steak, mine is pizza. What would you say is the first thing you want to watch? It'll happen with the NFL. That'll be football. Dude, how outdated do you think you would be? Oh, my God. Just think about how different football was just 10 years ago. Like, besides Aaron Rodgers, I mean, Bray retired now. So it's Rodgers and who else comes to quarterbacks? That's been around since then, still playing at a high level. Oh man, if I would have got out the coma and seen Matt Ryan this past year, oh, I would, I would want to go back in the coma. That's how <laughs> sad I would be. <laughs> See Matt Ryan play this year, ah, oh. yo, that was rough. Ah, oh, that was rough. That would not be a good way. I think, I think the, I think the NFL is a good choice. I would also want to say, I'd probably say basketball. Because basketball has changed in the last decade so much. Too. Seen Le- I mean, LeBron on his third team. Yeah, you'd see LeBron. That'd be weird. You'd be like, damn, oh, why is it, well, does no one want him? You'd want the backstory to that. You'd oh, he see, went back to Cleveland? Yeah, you'd see Durant being on multiple teams also. But then you'd have the emergence of Giannis. I mean, Steph. Yeah. Steph becoming one of the, a true Hall of Famer. But that's what I'm saying about how different basketball was just 10 years ago. So imagine if you woke up now, you'd be like, holy shit, everyone's taking threes? Like, what the hell? How'd this happen? And then you see a guy like Steph Curry that shoots at such a high efficiency. There's a Slovenian man that does hookah that's averaging 33 points a game. Hookah donches. And yo, <laughs> that's another thing, right? Like the two best, two best players in the league might be European guys. Three. Or, well, Euro. Um, no, Embiid is African. No, so you have a Serbian in Jokic, Slovenian in Doncic, and Giannis, Greece. Yeah, I wish Porzingis was up there. Because Latvia is such a country no one talks about. Latvia is like one of the most forgotten countries because they're terrible at soccer. Yeah. But you, know, you can't put Porzingis up there. Who's the other one? Embiid. I know he's Embiid's, not Europe, yeah, but yeah. international. Yeah. Bro, you, like... You can, you can make a case. Those are the four best guys in the NBA. Like Absolutely. the four best guys in the NBA right now are probably international guys. The national game. Yeah. And then uh, who would you want to contact? That's not a friend, partner, or your parents. Like if you could have access to anyone, like an athlete or a celebrity. I mean, mine is a layup, bro. Who's yours? Stone Cold, dude. Oh, wow. Okay. Stone, Cold is, Stone Cold Steve Austin is my answer to about 98% of the questions to my life. It's like, yo, worst comes to worst. Like, what would Stone Cold do? Reach out to Stone Cold. Shout out Stone Cold. Oh, man. Uh, I want to keep you waiting. I'm just thinking of, like, random people on the top of the head. I got a good one for you. That would be your favorite rapper. Easy, buddy. Yeah, 
I like, I want to know about sports though. Like, he's going to tell me about psychedelics. Jesus, psychedelics, psychedelics. Jesus is going to tell me about the real estate market. Uh, Cuddy will tell you about Joe Barrow. Oh, that's right. Come on, bro. That's true. Cuddy was on the way. Oh, Ohio's man. own. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anyone off the top of my head? You know, because he's in different industries and I respect what he's doing, man, so much. I love to talk to Michael Strahan. Because oh. I, lo I love how Michael Strahan's gone to entertainment now. Yeah. Yeah. And he still does Fox Sports. So I think it would be cool. I think if I want to know about my favorite sport and what's going on in the general world, Michael Strand's really on the pulse. Nate Burleson's up there as well. I, I really like how these former at, you know, former athletes, Strand Hall of Famer, are now transcend, transcending into the national news. Yeah, Burleson is really dope too. He's another one that's done that. And then I would say my favorite like TV analyst is probably Ryan Clark. Ooh, definitely. He, he's my favorite because I know we've had the conversation in the past too. Just because you've played a sport doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great person on air. Yeah. We won't, we won't bury anyone, but yeah, there's some athletes out there. But. Yeah, but Ryan Clark, to me, is probably one of my favorites as I put far as... J.J. Reddick also. J.J. Reddick is really good. He probably, too, I, want to, see, I just want to talk to, like, as much as I love artists and athletes, like, right now, I'm just thinking of, like, people are just in the media space, day in and day out, putting out the best content and just giving you things to think about. That's why I love what you said about Ryan Clark. You mentioned J.J. Reddick. You know, these are the guys I want to... I, I, I pick Strand because like, he's doing it in multiple fields. Last question that I have here. Again, shout out to everyone that sent questions, but a lot of them are topics that we've covered over the last couple of weeks. This one is a New York sports question, but I want to I want to phrase this as far as just like bandwagon fans in general. Does it bother you when new fans come out of nowhere to support a team that is now winning? This is just a team in general, not your team. Yeah, team in general. And then you can break it down as your team. Because so, so I used to be a, fuck that man, you weren't there when we were going 4-12, and 12, right? Like, I was really like that. That's a fan statement. But then as I've gotten older and more so, I would say, I always think about soccer when it comes to this, like World Cup soccer. Everyone rallies behind Team USA. And then... It's like, yo, you weren't, you weren't there, like, shooting in the gym, right? Like Drake said. But you weren't there watching CONCACAF against Guatemala and Mexico bloodbaths that they would have and Gold Cup games. Like, you weren't watching. But as I've gotten older, I feel like, yo, as long as you stay after, I'm cool with you jumping on board, like, halfway through or, or, or to a new thing. You know, like, how many of our friends have we turned into MMA fans? We were, like, the first two that were... Yo, let's go to Studio Square. Let's go and watch. Let's go and watch these fights. And then, lo and behold, we bring Boss. We bring Josh. And now they know UFC as much as we do, and we watch all the fights. So, as long as you stay after, I have no problem with you. Just all of a sudden, you're like, Yo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna root for, I'm gonna root for the Giants now because they finally had a winning season. Or, or you're wearing the merch during the playoffs when you haven't posted one time about the Giants when they were going through. Bob McAdoo and and all the, 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 the Pat Shermer. Oh, oh my God! Oh, geez. oh man, you're, you're, bad, you're, bad you're, memories. Names you mentioned Jason Garrett as offensive coordinator. Oof, Jason Garrett was hilarious because he was like, "Oh, my, my boy Danny turned it around." It's like, bro, you're the reason why he didn't turn it around. Of course, he turned it around now because he's not over there asking him to throw swing passes twelve times a game. Yeah, we're gonna run a bubble screen on third and twelve. This is the, it's gonna work that fifth time. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. gonna get eight yards. Uh, but yeah, I think just 
being older and more positive, I think you just embrace it. Now, I think you would want them to be a little level-headed. Like, don't be overly pet. Like, you can be passionate, but don't be like, I was like, don't be falsifying about it. Like, don't become disingenuous. Like, okay, you can hop on the bandwagon, but don't be like, oh, I've been here for 10 years. Like, just don't be fake about it. What really drives me crazy is when, say, I'm watching, let's use the World Cup as an example, right? Say I'm watching. I mean, I'm the, I think I'm the best example given Croatia's past two success. I mean, that bandwagon got huge, particularly in 2018. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. But what I'm saying is like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've experienced it a ton where I'm watching a World Cup game. I'm watching a soccer game, yeah. right? And I'll be at a bar or I'll be at a buddy's house and we're watching the games and they're not exactly soccer fans. Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, yo, who's, who's the guy I got to watch? What's the player I got to, uh, I got to think about or who, who's like the main attraction? And I'll say, Venetius. Mm. We're watching Real Madrid. Like, yo, Venetius is like, he's the next Brazilian megastar. And say Venetius has a bad game. They'll be like, oh, yo, he sucks. He's terrible. What are you oh, talking about? Oh, okay. That drives you crazy. It's like, bro, he had one bad game. I'm telling you. Like, I watch this dude all the time, and he's a killer out there. Picked a great time to have a bad game, by the way. Thanks for that, Croatia. Oh, yeah. Word. He got stuff up trying to My boy, Josip Iranovic, uh, had him on lock. So, uh, what a time to be alive. But nevertheless, yeah, I, I, I don't like those one game takes because like I'm telling you, and you could do your own research. You can watch the highlights. This man is as prolific as it gets. He's on top of every stat sheet. And now you watch one game and he sucks. Really? Every elite athlete's going to have their bad game. Yeah, it's happened. It's happened a ton where I watch like Team USA. They'll be like, yo, who's, who's the guy? And I'm like, yo, it's Pulisic. Or it's... And they watch the Netherlands game. It's like, yeah, oh. it's like, it's like, bro, I'm telling you, bro. Like he plays on Chelsea. He's a, I'm like, did you watch him against Wales? Did you watch right. him? Like that whole group stage? He was terrific. Oh yeah. He yeah. was amazing. So That's why it was so devastating when he got hurt at the tail end of that game, because people saw his impact mm -hmm. and he was the only guy. He's a legit game record, man. It's just that he, the MO of his career is just at the worst times. He just gets injured. Yeah. And Luckily, he played in that Holland game, but also, you know, he didn't he didn't exactly show out. So but to give like a general answer to this, like I think we embrace people that are going to become fans. Just don't get over the top with it. Don't say we've been Ryan day one. Just be genuine about it. Like, okay, I'm a bandwagon, but there's a reason. Maybe now I'm going to become a legitimate fan going forward. And three, four, five years from now, I could talk about actually being a fan, give you historical references, because I think that's the biggest thing about being a fan. It's like you have to mentioned things from like six, eight years ago. Like that, that's cool. Like we could talk about the Giants, Falcons, uh, USA, Croatia. Like you know, being a fan is like knowing games, knowing moments, knowing your reactions to things. So that's kind of the hope with fans coming on board. It's like, okay, you're, you just started out, but hopefully three, five, seven, ten years from now, we could talk about moments. And those are the best conversations. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I use myself as an example as we start to wrap up here where – when it comes to, like, I was, dude, from, when I went to Buffalo, hockey was so big up there. And it was right around the time when, like, Ryan Miller was the goalie for the U.S. team in the Olympics. And, like, he was on the Sabres. And, and even the dudes on my floor, they played for the hockey team. We called them the Canucks because there were these, like, four freshman dudes. Mm -hmm. And they were from Vancouver. And, <clears throat> wow, what a terrible voice crack. You heard that? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Saturday morning. And, and uh, they, they were playing hockey. So, like, you know, we would go out to watch hockey games. It's just, so I got really into hockey. 
And then from around like 2009 to about when we started Veterans Minimum in 2015, mm -hmm. I was watching the Rangers like every night, bro. Like I was watching like the Ryan Callahan, McDonough, like that era of the Rangers and obviously Lundquist. I was watching were you, all Were you the making time. nasty? Well, yeah, they had gotten him over there around that time too. Shout out, shout out Dylan. And then, but like with Dylan, I would never like portray myself to know more than him. Right. So I would talk to him and be like, yo, is this guy like good? Like, who's the guy we got to talk about? And Ask and questions. Whatnot. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, asking that's, questions that's great. is a good way to like get informed about things you're not really familiar with or, or, or know of. So that's, that's my thing when it comes to that. Like the bandwagons, you're always going to have bandwagoners, but I welcome you with open arms. I would love for you to stay though. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you hop on now that the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs or now that the Giants have, you know, they're coming off their first playoff appearance in X amount of years or whatever it might be. Like even you in the international soccer, if like people are going to be on the Croatian bandwagon now, it's like, just stay. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't mind that you came because they went to the World Cup final in 2018, but stay now. Watch the Euros. That's what I'll say. Because I know, look, some sports are different. Like you're not going to tell someone to watch qualifiers. It's not really into it, but like check out the international tournaments. They're in the summer. For the most part, please, no more Winter World Cup. Never again. But, uh, yeah, just show the urgency and the commitment. Like, okay, I'm going to understand the game more. And Because I think we all just want positive experiences. Like, even if you're not that big of a fan, it's like, it's cool to celebrate people. I'll give them a high five, a hug. Like, nothing wrong with that. So, but ultimately, it's just like, if you really want to be a fan, you got to start building up those memories. Because those are the best things about being a fan. Like, you could talk about 2011 for an hour. Oh, easily. My favorite, uh, I think that's my favorite sports moment. Better than 07. Be being at that Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, man, because that one, I feel like I understood football more. Older. Experienced the Deshaun Jackson punt. Like, you know, it was the Jets were having those back-to-back -back championship years. And it's like, oh, it's a Jet town. And it's like, all right, well, fuck, is it? You yeah, know, you two years. Questioning. Yeah, yeah. They, had a, they had a great stretch there for two years, bro. Back-to-back -back AFC title games. Like, that's. That's something you should definitely be proud of. Absolutely. Yeah, it didn't it didn't end the way you wanted, but you know it's guarantee you Jeff fans would sign up for that now. You know what I mean? So I mean they haven't made the playoffs since. They haven't made the playoffs since. And now that the Kings made the playoffs, they're the longest drought. That's crazy. Aaron Rodgers, time to go to work. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. He hasn't been there yet. It's not official. But again, we, let's not harp on it too much because at the time we're recording this, he's not a Jet, but maybe in two weeks he will be. So. Yeah, there it is. Another installment of the People's Podcast. Thank you all for sending your questions on Instagram, Twitter, and most of them as a perk for being a Patreon member. We took it from Discord. Join the Patreon at patreon.com slash veterans minimum. You'll be able to get these episodes out early in advance and a lot of cool things on the horizon with veterans minimum. And as far as I go, at Nick Deus 10 is you can find me, veteransminimum.com is you can find all things VM. And Alan, where can they find you? Alan Sterk, A L L E N, York. Catch you guys next time.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.